Today's reading is taken from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. uh, Verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. To God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise to God for a living hope. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth in a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith and the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets, who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. This is the word of the Lord. All right, Jenny. We're starting a new sermon series uh, from First Peter, and we will stay on First Peter uh, until Christmas. But uh, as we come, shall we pray that God will speak to us uh, through this passage? Lord, we thank you that these words are living and active, um, sharper than two-edged sword, that He can shape us. And we pray that these words will come alive and it will shape the way that we think, the way that we view the world, that we might endure, we might persevere in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's quite natural for everyone to try to fit into the surrounding around us. Isn't it? We're social beings, and we don't quite know how to behave. We don't actually really know what to value. We don't know um, how to live until we are formed and shaped by the people in the environment around us. And most of the times, so we try to fit in. And actually, I think this pressure to conform is even greater in Asia, isn't it? But take a look at what Peter calls um, 
Christians in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, and in the modern-day Turkey, 2,000 years ago, Peter starts this letter addressing them and says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, exiled, scattered throughout. Here he calls all the Christian believers exiles, exiles scattered throughout. And it's the same word for strangers. It's the same word for resident aliens. Uh, people who do not live in their native country, away from their home culture. I talked to somebody who this week jokingly told me that he was on exile because he used to live in Wan Chai, but now he lives in the new territories. It's not the same kind of exile here. In fact, the people that Peter is writing to uh, didn't even actually move to a different location. It, they were there. He's not even writing to the Jewish diaspora. So Jewish people saw themselves as belonging to Israel, but actually spread all over the world. He's not even writing to the Jewish Christians here. We know that because in chapter 2 and in other places, he says things, he'll say things like this. Once you were not a people, like you were not Jews. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Chapter 2, verse 10. He's writing to the Gentiles. He's writing to people whose homes were in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, and other places, to the people who lived in their hometowns. But yet, he says, you are exiles. You are strangers. And of course, this is because they became strangers the moment that they became Christian. Take a look at how Peter describes how this happened in chapter, in chapter 1, verse 2, and so on. Verse 2, whole Trinitarian God is involved here, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. You see, this is how they became exiled, exiles. God chose them, and then God sent them the Holy Spirit to sanctify them, to set them apart from the world. And they were sprinkled by the blood of Jesus to be obedient, not to the kings, not to the culture around them, but to Jesus Christ. They became exiles because they were converted. They became Christians. In fact, this change is so big that in verse 3, Peter says this is rebirth. This is new birth. Christians are reborn. Wherever you are, reborn as strangers, as exiles in this world. And of course, the degree to which you experience that strangeness depends on where you are. You would feel this sharply. I mean, even now in Saudi Arabia, North Korea, or in in different parts of China, you would stand out. The culture around you is so different. And you might be persecuted and driven away from homes. But of course, you can become strangers even in countries with Christian heritage. This past week, I was on a hike with an Australian friend, and when he, in his words, when he became a Christian, he said that people just thought of him as strange. Strange. No drugs, no alcohol, I mean, not, not in the same way that they used to. Many of the things that he enjoyed doing with these group of friends, he stopped doing, and they started to call him strange. Think of him as strange. He said that he needed to make new friends because actually he couldn't uh, last in that friendship because the basis of that friendship was drugs and alcohol. So he became an exile. Exiles scattered throughout. How about you? 
It, it's not actually that difficult for me to think of myself as a stranger, as an outsider, because, you know, as you know, I've lived in many different countries, five different countries. Uh, even I had even had the legal status of being a resident alien. In the U.S., this is a green card. Actually, green card is not green. It's, it's pink. Uh, it's like this. Uh, but it's, it, it says resident alien. Uh, when people ask, where is your home? Well, you know, I feel most like an American. I actually hold my earthly citizenship in the U.S. I'm an American citizen. But when I go back to the U.S., actually, I do feel like a stranger. I do feel like somebody who's an outsider. And the thing is, everybody needs a home, don't they? In those times, I remind myself, actually, all Christians, all Christians are supposed to not feel at home anywhere in this world, in this fallen world, because our home is the new creation. Our permanent citizenship is in the kingdom of God. Some of you are born in Hong Kong, and some of you have moved here to Hong Kong, but no matter what, you are strangers in this city. You are exiles in this city. Because you are a Christian. And I know that you know this. Because at work, when your boss and your clients are pressuring you to bend the rules, to maybe exaggerate some of the things, or maybe even to, to, to lie outright, you know that this isn't your home. Because at your home, this wouldn't happen. People would do what is right in the kingdom of God. You know that you don't belong uh, to, to, to this place. When you see your lying and cheating colleagues get promotions, you feel that you are a foreigner and a stranger in this city because you have to come back home tired and you have to then make difficult choices about how to spend your time with work and, 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 and home and, and church. And these conflicts wouldn't exist in your home country. You know that you're a stranger because you want to raise your children to love Jesus and to be happy here. But the rest of Hong Kong demands more homework for them so that they could go to better college and earn more money. You are a stranger in this city, in this country. And those of you who went through the Daniel series with Niels um, a, few, uh, a few weeks back know this because Daniel revealed to us the, 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 the history of, of this world, how we, it will be like this. It will, we will feel this tension and difficulty until Jesus comes back, until the Son of Man comes back and receives authority and glory and sovereign power over all people and nations. But until then, we will be exiled. But we want to then continue on from what Daniel's series um, uh, 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 told us because Peter in this, uh, uh, in this letter tells us how to live, the nitty-gritty details of how to live as exiles. So that's why we are spending time now in First Peter. And I hope you'll uh, come back to join us each week. And the key to persisting is realizing the greatness of the new identity we've received. When I became an American citizen, I had to give up my passport. Uh, and to be honest, it was a bittersweet moment. It was bitter because it, was, it meant that you know, I had to give up my Korean nationality. It also probably meant that I would not go back to live in Korea ever permanently. But it was sweet because now I had the freedom to be an American citizen, to live there as long as I want, uh, want to, uh, to, to, exercise, uh, to have all those rights of carrying uh, the American passport. And it's taken me to many, many different places since then. 
And in the same way, Peter outlines the fact he, he's called us exiles and strangers in this world, but then he, he, in this section, then outlines the privilege of being a citizen of the kingdom of God. Take a look at what we are given, verse 3. It says, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Remember, this is the same Peter who tried to uh, uh, stop Jesus from going to his death. He said, no, 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 you shouldn't do this. Remember how Peter then denied Jesus three times as Jesus was on trial. Peter now knows why that death was necessary. And Peter now knows that Jesus didn't stay dead, that he rose again. He's now ha- he now has that living hope of the resurrection. He's come to trust in Jesus' words. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies in John eleven twenty five, And we have that privilege. We know the living hope of the resurrection. And it, but it's not just about the eternal life that we will live again. Look at what we will receive when that eternal life comes in verse 4. We're born, reborn into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Because Jesus died our death, we inherit what he deserves. And the thing about this inheritance is it's secure. It will last. It will not spoil or fade. It's kept securely in heaven for us. Nothing can touch it. That is, it's, it's ours for eternity. And not only that, verse 5, you, through, you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming salvation. Not only is the treasures in heaven guarded, we are guarded by God's power. God protects us so that we might persevere through faith. And the salvation is so great that the people in the Old Testament long wrote about it. Um, and, and when they wrote about it, they were serving us because they didn't experience the fulfillment of it. They looked forward to it. But we now know they serve us. And not only that, the salvation is so great that the, even the angels long to see it. Peter writes in verse 12. And the greatest fact about all of this is that we don't deserve any of it. Not the resurrection, not the inheritance, eternal inheritance, not the protection. It it comes freely from God. And that's why Peter, in fact, actually, verse 3 all the way to 12 is one sentence. And he starts this whole one sentence in Greek with the praise. Praise God, right? In his great mercy, all of this is given freely to each one of us. That's the most amazing thing about this. We don't deserve it, but God gives it to us freely through his son. And I am sure if you are a Christian, you are nodding. You think, this is great. And actually, you might even go, well, yes, I I understand. But actually, I think we're not that excited (laughs) if we've been Christian for a while. But... I am sure that this also happens to you as well. Maybe this has happened to you um, in the past. At different points in your life, you will realize the greatness of this salvation. You will experience it. You will be touched by it at different points in your life. Maybe it might be maybe in a funeral. When you actually go to a funeral, when you stare at a dead body and you are surrounded by people who have no hope, 
you know, the resurrection hope takes on a whole new different meaning when you're staring at a dead body of a person who might, you might have loved. That hope of the resurrection becomes real. Or maybe as you lay dying in your, in your death, that hope of the resurrection becomes real. It becomes greatest news that you can hold on to. Or maybe this inheritance in heaven, maybe you will realize the value, maybe you have realized the value of this inheritance when you've lost earthly treasure. It's funny, isn't it, that uh, money is called security by the financial world. It's not really that secure, is it? You can lose it overnight. But this treasure is kept in heaven for you, and it will last forever. And when, maybe when you have lost your earthly treasures, you might have realized the value of this treasure that's kept in heaven for you. Friends, our salvation is great. In fact, it's so great to live for earthly treasure is foolishness. It is foolishness to live for the things that will spoil and that, that, that will fade, that is unsecure. And if you raise your children to live for these things, you are making your children fools as well. But I know that it's easy to forget this because we live in Hong Kong. And Hong Kong is a city full of glitz and glamour, uh, some of the best that this world has to offer. But they cannot compare to the living hope of the resurrection. They cannot compare to the treasure that is kept in heaven for you. So ask yourselves, what is it that we praise God for? What is it that we are so thankful for? Is it just for the comforts and holidays and gadgets or where we live? Or is it for the greatness of the salvation that we've received? The inheritance, the eternal, the living hope. Of course, we can fill our minds with these things. But that doesn't mean that actually our lives will be easy. That we will coast through life. In fact, look how Peter describes, I mean, he describes the greatness of the treasure that we received. But then he goes on to say in verse 6 this, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now, For a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. There will be glory in the future, but for now, there will be suffering. There will be grief from all kinds of trials. And of course, this is so because we are in exile. And this is what what this means. Because we are in exile, because we don't see these things right now, our, our faith will be tested for the rest of our life. Our faith will be tested. This world is filled with grief of all kinds of trials. And so what you will have to do is you will have to exercise your faith. Because the future that is guaranteed here is not yet fully here. And once again, the things that you don't, you, you, you don't like will happen. Once your cheating colleague might get a promotion You might be persecuted or ostracized uh, because of your faith. You'll pray maybe even for the affairs of Hong Kong. You want it to go in this one direction, but it's going the other way. We pray for the world, and actually it seems like, where is God? It seems to be going in the wrong direction. It might be that you try your best to raise your children with this right value, to love Jesus and to be happy in Him. But actually, some of your children might walk away from faith. This is because we are in exile. 
because we are sinful and this world is sinful and it's fallen. We are strangers in this world. And you might ask, where is God? Why isn't God doing something about this? You might even doubt the experiences that brought you to faith. You might say, maybe that moving experience that I've had in the past, maybe that was just a psychological and emotional experience and not God acting in this world. You might even doubt the basis of, basis of your faith. Say, saying, maybe I've been brainwashed. We'll want to see God at these times, but I mean, verse 8 says, actually, Jesus is not seen until he comes back. And at this time of trial, as we live in this world as exiles, exercise your faith. Cultivate your faith. So it might be strengthened. And that's exactly why Peter says that is the purpose of these trials in verse 7. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. And you know how refining metal works. You put it in intense heat and the impurities burn away. It sort of rise to the surface and you scrape it away. Our faith will be tested for the rest of our lives until Jesus comes back. But if you exercise your faith, if you hold on to it, if your faith is, is refined, the genuine faith will, as he goes on to say, will result in praise and glory and honor. And this is why this faith is more valuable than gold. It is better to hold on to this than to get anything from this world. So hold on to this faith. Exercise your faith. And this is why Peter is writing this letter, First Peter. Because the people who he's writing to in this region is being, are being persecuted. Because they are intensely suffering. And Peter is saying, hold on to your faith. Let these things refine your faith. In practice, I think it simply means maybe going back and remembering why you became a Christian. The times when God answered your prayers, brought you joy, and convinced you of, of the truthfulness of the gospel. Remember that. It means remembering Christ, what he has done for you, and deciding, even though it doesn't look like that's the wise thing to do, deciding to follow Jesus. It means reminding ourselves, as Peter has been doing, of the greatness of the salvation that we've received, the hope of the resurrection and the inheritance that will come. And the thing about this is, as you exercise this faith, actually, this is the key to getting through as exiles in this world. Look how Peter describes the Christians that he's writing to in verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. It'll be obvious to us that, once again, Peter is writing to people in great trial. But Christians love him, and they believe in him, and therefore are filled with joy, with glorious joy in the midst of their suffering. So what's the key to surviving as Christians in this world? Well, it's living by faith. It's holding on to that faith until the day that it will result in honor and glory and praise. But 
let me do ask you a few questions that need to be asked again and again. Are you a stranger in this world? Are you in exile? Or are you at home? Are you comfortable? Are you looking forward to the inheritance you will receive in the future? Or have you received all the treasures in this earth? Are you preparing your children for the coming kingdom and to seeing the greatness of salvation? Or are you preparing your children to just live for success of this world? I know it's hard. We are in exile. But as you face these trials, are we exercising our faith so that it's being refined? It's growing stronger? Or is our faith weakening? Yesterday I was driving um, someone, um, driving with somebody who told me that, uh, that she felt like she lives in two different worlds. She goes to work and it's tough. It's a world that's filled with deadlines and pressures and different value. Um, and then she comes to church and she does many church things. She comes to prayer meetings. She comes to uh, obviously Sunday and meets uh, with other Christians. And she says that she feels right at home with the church community. And she said to me, this isn't a criticism against you, but the church world feels so different. It seems so irrelevant to the things that are happening in my world, in my work world. Well, I, mean, I think I do need to do a better job. We need to do a better job at Shatin Church to equip you to go into the world so that you might persist and persevere there. But she's right. In some sense, we do live in two different worlds. Because in this fallen world, we are not in our elements. We are strangers and aliens. When you go into the real world out there, you will feel the pressures and all the tensions. And I hope, as this woman uh, did, as you come to church and as you fellowship with other Christians, meet with other Christians, you will feel right at home. That it gives you a sense of what's to come. But let me remind you, the world out there, the, the world that you call real, will fade away, will not last. But the kingdom that is coming, well, that is the real world. That is the one in which we will spend eternity. You need to remind yourself of that. And you need to, until that day comes, live by faith. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the greatness of the salvation that we received, that because you sent your son Jesus Christ to die for us, that we will inherit what he deserves. And Lord, now we pray that you will fill us with your spirit and help us to realize the greatness of the salvation that we received and the good news that is in Christ Jesus. We pray that that will become more and more real to us that we might go out into the, this world and live, live our lives by faith. In Jesus' name we pray.